Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Hello, I'm Lucy Kessler, a Master's of Environmental Management candidate at the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies, and I'm pleased to welcome Rod Richardson, president of the Grace Richardson Fund, to the studio today. Mr. Richardson is an advocate of clean tax cuts. As such, he convenes policy design charrettes to pioneer new free market solutions to critical issues stuck in partisan gridlock. Today on our podcast, he'll be talking to us about clean tax cuts, which can powerfully accelerate profitable clean solutions, increase return on investment, and drive down the cost of capital and outputs. Welcome to our show today. Thank you very much, Lucy. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about clean tax cuts. What are they and why have you identified these as a powerful solution to climate change? Sure. Well, I guess, uh, you know, one uh, quick definition would be uh, Ronald Reagan's supply side tax cuts applied to the problem of climate change. Okay. And it's, a, it's, it's an odd pairing, but it works, actually, because climate change, when you really think of it, is a question of supply. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a supply of greenhouse gases versus supply of clean solutions. Right. So supply-side economics really does apply. A supply-side economist would tell you, if you want more of something, tax it less. And particularly, target the capital tax rate cuts, because that's where you'll get the biggest growth effect. Okay, so the capital. What are the capital tax rate cuts? Capital tax rate cuts are the taxes that investors pay on debt and equity. Okay. So, so you know, you would look at the the first cut of taxes you would look at would be uh, dividends, interest, uh, capital gains tax. Um, corporate income tax also can be considered to fall in that category, but corporate income tax is frequently subject to a lot of distortions, tax breaks in the tax code. Mm -hmm. So you actually can get possibly a better effect by looking at the taxes that investors pay. Um, you know, <clears throat> one of the um, interesting uh, things about the way we've developed this idea through the charrette process is that it brings in lots of people who mm -hmm. have different ideas from my own. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the interesting things that was pointed out was a non-supply side analysis of this by uh, Professor Travis Bradford at Columbia, who mm -hmm participated in kind of a general design charrette on this idea uh, back in uh, September. And he pointed out that, you know, this really dovetailed with his thinking about what's needed in the uh, renewable energy space, um, you know, in order, you know, to really make that uh, sector fly, we have to change the way that we're financing it from tax credit schemes, which really kind of can create barriers to entry and gatekeepers that, you know, end up blocking the flow of capital and diminishing, taking taking money off the table by, you know, what's needed to pay the banks and the buyers of the tax credits, to going to something where you really drive down the cost of capital. And that's what you do with these uh, rate cuts for, for, for investors. You drive down the, the cost of capital for these projects and that has, uh, Travis pointed out, this has really two very interesting effects. Um, first of all, you're increasing the ROI, mm -hmm. which, which accelerates capital formation and increases supply. And then a little bit of cost of capital reduction equals a lot of cost of output reduction. Like 20, two or three basis points on cost of capital uh, means 20 to 30 percent off of uh, cost of outputs, according to Travis. Uh, so that means cheaper clean energy. Mm -hmm. So that drives demand. So with one policy, you can s drive both supply and demand. 
which is very unique in the world of policy. So, um, you know, and that, and that was an analysis that I had not anticipated. And the Charette process continues to uh, throw up uh, a lot of, of ideas like that that I just never would have been able to figure out on my own. Yeah. So in terms of increasing or reducing the cost of capital, wouldn't tax subsidies do something similar um, or some sort of like tax credits so that people no, like no I don't I don't th- I don't think they really would um, you know you know most climate policy today you know in my my personal view is it's incredibly primitive you know it's it's really you know the all the all the uh, principal policies that are on the table or that we're using um, you know boil down to uh, the carbon tax proposal uh, the uh, tax credits, sub, tax credits, mm-hmm. uh, which are basically price support subsidies, uh, and uh, regulation. Mm-hmm. Now, as a from a conservative perspective, if you're trying to convince these folks that they should buy into these policies, they see more taxes, more spending, bigger government. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's got a bad political profile, mm-hmm. but the the economic profile is just as bad mm-hmm. because. Uh, you know, these are all based on an assumption from 10 or 20 years ago that <clears throat> clean solutions necessarily had to be unprofitable. And therefore, that, you know, you needed price support subsidies in order to, uh, you know, make these things work. So you either needed a tax credit that was a price support mechanism. Uh, or you needed a uh, carbon tax, which is a price penalty mechanism. But they all are are contingent on price mechanisms because of the basic unprofitable assumption about clean technology. And that's no longer true. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wind, uh, you know, became profitable for the best solutions in 2011. Uh, Solar became profitable at utility scale for the best cited projects in 2015 which is when we decided to start, uh, you know, developing the clean tax cuts uh, concept exactly for that reason, that the timing was right. Mm-hmm. And also, I got really fed up that nobody else was coming up with this obvious idea <laughs> that, that, you know, supply siders should have been all over this years ago. But there are cultural reasons that people on the right were not putting this forward and mm-hmm. cultural reasons that people on the left didn't, you know, immediately understand that this is what was needed. Mm-hmm. But um, that said... Um, you know the the uh, you know when you get a tax cr- credit uh, price support subsidy scheme like the ITC mm-hmm. or the PTC, you're creating these market gatekeepers, right? So y- y- you know the, the you the, the solar market right now. And here I'm quoting uh, things that I've learned from from Travis. Uh, Thank you, Travis. The, uh, you know, the, the, the current makeup of the solar market is about 15 participants, right? Uh, and they're medium to large size uh, uh, entities. Uh, and they have to be that large in order to deal with the, the tax credit, uh, you know, complication. Now, of those 15, five are banks. Mm-hmm. Five are banks. And so those banks and their, and their customers are taking most of the value of the tax credits. Right. So, so there, you, you've created this gatekeeper mechanism, which is 
preventing smaller companies from entering, entering the market because it's too complicated. And it only applies to people who can use the tax credits. And if you can't use the tax credits because you don't have operating profits, you know, from other activities, you know, what could or you can deal with, you know, selling them. So, you know, Travis pointed out, you know, if you if you uh, were to go to the clean tax cut uh, financing mechanism, uh, you would go from 15 participants to about 50,000. Because, because what would happen is that because a tax rate cut is so simple, uh, you know, and it doesn't require these gatekeepers, every uh, guy with a pickup truck and a work crew could jump into this. Any, anybody in the construction industry could retool to become an energy efficiency contractor or a solar installer. And it would be, and they would be able to benefit from these tax rate reductions in their in their business as a small business. Okay, so, so, so this is really just for commercial. Like, how would this apply to the residential sector? Well, uh, residential sector, you, you know, very. We had, uh, you know, just yesterday we completed our green bond charrette at Columbia University, which is the first of of seven different charrettes that are going forward over the next sixty days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're going forward all over the country at ASU and Colorado University. There will be a charrette on uh, commercial real estate going on at the American Council for an Energy Efficient Economy about how to apply clean tax cuts there. But the bond charrette already came up with some really great ideas uh, because there are um, uh, energy efficiency uh, securities uh, that are based and backed by uh, energy efficient homes loans that are made to renovate homes at PACE programs, for instance, using Energy Star uh, certified homes. Uh, uh, so you, you have these basically residential mortgage-backed securities, uh, and, you know, the lending for these and the securitized, uh, uh, you know, bundles could all be tax-exempt. Okay. Right? So and that's very – that's a particularly appealing one because – it doesn't really require external verification because the verification has been done at the asset level. Mm-hmm. The assets are certified, right? Got it. Right. How did you get into this? I became a trustee of the small foundation called the Grace Richardson Fund, uh, and that was ending a health care uh, mandate, uh, and I had to decide what to do with it. And I looked around, and I realized that conservative philanthropy had really changed mm. You know, the paradigm had changed from uh, coming up with new ideas to address the problems of the day to denying that the problems of the day existed, you know, so, you know, which seemed to me to make absolutely no sense uh, and that, you know, they're really the the, the stream of creative thinking had slowed. (laughs) You know, there was obstructionism in politics, but I think a lot of of, uh, the problem really went back to uh, the climate change. Mm-hmm. Climate change, the po- politics that were behind climate change, the solutions that were being put forward by, uh, and the, the tone of the conversation being put forward by folks like Al Gore is that this is the end of the world and we must have, uh, you know, uh, carbon taxes, you know, higher taxes, you know, more spending, bigger government, uh, or else we will all die. Mm-hmm. Uh, was a huge turnoff to the conservatives, but it was so threatening uh, in particular to a particular, uh, you know, group that 
the paradigm became deny that the problem exists. Mm -hmm. Okay, to not even deal with it. So, which struck me as ridiculous because there's a perfectly good uh, tool set, uh, you know, in the in the you know in the conservative uh, tool bag uh, for how to deal with this. Um, not just supply side economics. There are other other things you could use as well, but property rights and things like that. But the the um, you know supply side economics is a particularly powerful tool mm -hmm. that can be used for any uh, pollution, waste, inefficiency, negative externalities that you want to target. You can you can figure out ways to target this. Mm -hmm. So and it's a it's a real paradigm shift in terms of you know this kind of policy because it's all of the policies that we use now if you really think about it are are based on this flawed assumption about the, the you know that these things can't be profitable so what they're using is these price tools that are are basically trying to they they create economic drag you know in in sailing there are two kinds of forces that you can use drag force and lift force right the drag force is the, the drag of the water on the hull, but it's also, uh, it, it, they call it drag force when a wind hits a sail. That is, when it's hitting a sail head on, that's drag force. And that's what uh, all sailboats used only drag force uh, up until the Roman Empire. That's where the square rig sails, they could only move sail <laughs> in one direction. And if you wanted to go upwind, you had to pull out the oars and start pulling. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, so, but then in the Roman Empire, they developed this lantine sail, the triangular sail, and suddenly you could point your boat into the wind and you used lift. Mm -hmm. Lift was a force that, you know, you, you use the wind going around the outside of this curve outside of the sail. It's like the curve on a wing of an airplane. Sure. And it creates lift. Mm -hmm. And that's what, uh, exactly what uh, these capital tax rate cuts do. They, they drop the barriers to capital. Mm -hmm. They create a vacuum that capital flows into. So they create this l economic lift, mm -hmm. essentially. So, you know, so it, we're, we're talking about a real paradigm shift in how climate policy is, is put forward. So design is key. Right. So design for, for you, know, des the, you know, I'm not suggesting a policy that you can just slap into place. It requires design. Now, there's, and you have to think about how to do it kind of for each sector because the metrics for each sector are different. Uh, but you, you can do it if you think about it. There's usually a clean, easy way to start attacking the problem in each sector. And in green bonds, we found that that's the case. And we were able to come up with some really clear, cool ideas for how to accelerate capital to the green bond market. There's a real potential here to use clean tax cuts to uh, reward uh, transforming. And in fact, one of the charrettes that is going forward now is uh, a charrette in the oil and gas sector, hmm. right? It, it's being conducted by uh, the University of Colorado. Alice Madden is, is uh, one of the leaders, as is a gentleman named Wiley Rhodes, uh, who is, uh, runs something called One Step In. And they are looking at ways to clean up uh, fugitive emissions in the oil and gas sector, but not only clean these up, some of the companies in that sector are transforming those fugitive emissions into carbon fiber and into clean energy. So, there, or at least there's there's uh, the potential for that. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm certainly not a 
expert in that space, so I can't, you know, verify everything that everybody is, says they want to do. But, uh, you know, there there is the real potential for claim tax cuts to uh, be transformative uh, that way uh, rather than punitive. I think I should probably kind of maybe step back for a second and define what a claim tax cut really is. Would that be helpful? Sure, yeah. You know, th there, there are really four principles okay. uh, to, to what a claim tax cut is. First of all, it either is free of or reducing of all waste, inefficiency, and negative externalities. And that's not just from industrial practice. That's also from government policy, right? Because there's a lot of inefficient government policy out there. And the, the wasteful policies, inefficient policies, are not helping with decarbonization or with, with cleaning up pollution, waste, and inefficiency. So, so we use specifically only capital tax rate reduction. We avoid tax credits. We avoid price support mechanisms. Okay, so we're looking particularly at mechanisms that accelerate capital flows, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and, and limiting the idea very much to that because that um, goes into the third principle, which is that we are um, interested in positive feedback loops rather than negative feedback loops. We want to be as, as efficient as possible, so we, want, we don't want to do anything to create barriers to capital. Um, and lastly, um, one of the principles of clean tax cuts is, is that we don't pick winners and losers. We pick metrics. Okay, so we, er, everything that we try to do in terms of these t tax cuts is, is metrics-based. Even when we have to pick categories, they are categories based on metrics. Mm -hmm. So who has to vet whether or not it's quote-unquote clean? Well, um, that's what each charrette is deciding. Okay. Right? That's, that's what each charrette has to figure out. The, 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 the basic framework for our green bond charrette was <clears throat> there were three breakout groups. One breakout group handled the question of clean. What's clean? What qualifies as clean? How are we going to define what is clean that, that, you know, that uh, merits tax reduction? Mm -hmm. The second question is tax. What tax do you want to hit? All right. you know, and the third question is cuts. How do you want to cut? How much do you want to cut? How do you pay for it? Right. Uh, so how do you, how, what's the actual mechanism? So that, that was the framework of the analysis that we went through. I really liked your analogy about the dragon lift with the sailboat. Um, and in my energy economics class, we were talking today about the clean power plan um, and how economists had identified that the costs from the clean power plan would be about $9 billion, but the benefits um, to health, et cetera, would be like $26 billion. Um, so I wonder, in terms of advancing the economy and economic benefit, what about something like a clean power plan that puts a cap on carbon emissions? Um, is that um, incompatible with the idea of clean tax cuts? Um, and what, what are your thoughts on policies like that? Well, uh, I basically believe that, you know, even though there are a lot of people who are, you know, um, interested in, in that, um, you know, I, I view it as old paradigm, uh, you know, climate policy. Uh, you know, it's, it's again, it's based on 
you know, the, the cap and trade uh, concept mm-hmm. is based on the idea that clean technologies can never be profitable. So <laughs> you have to use a, you either have to use a price penalty uh, or a uh, price support, and cap and trade is both. Uh, or you have to use regu- heavy-handed regulation, and cap and trade is that too. <laughs> cap and trade is it, it, cap and trade is the, basically the carb- combination of a carbon tax plus subsidy plus regulation, <laughs> all rolled into one. So uh, you know, I'm not I'm not a I'm not a huge fan because it has the it has the downsides of all three, uh, you know, in, baked into it. Uh, so um, I think that you don't necessarily need those if you use clean tax cuts. I mean, I do think there's probably room for uh, reasonable regulation, uh, but I do think that we can we can drive the economy uh, cleaner uh, using cl- just clean tax cuts. Well, we are out of time today, but thank you so much, Rod Richardson, for participating and for telling us more about clean tax cuts. It's been a really interesting conversation. Yeah, thank you, Lucy. Yeah. Uh, it's been an, it's been fun.